Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, 10's Big News Con. How they're delivering two different news services at the same time with the same presenters. Plate of Origin is dead as Seven loses faith in what was meant to be the biggest news show of the year and the radical idea to shake up Australian TV forever. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. Bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another big edition of the TV Black Box Podcast. I'm Rob McKnight. You can find me at Rob underscore McKnight. Shrimp Tank is here, also known as Sarah Monaghan. Hello, Sarah. Hello. I come from a free place where I got to massage and got to go out partying all weekend. Oh, wow. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> Malky Malky's here. You can find him at Steve Malk on Twitter. Sarah, just tell us which hospital we need to send your coronavirus flowers to. <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin J. Norris is the handle on Twitter where you'll find him. Hello, Benjamin. I also want to be known as uh, the official person running Tristan McManus's fan page from now on. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you, mate. It's just you. Oh, wow. And, of course, oh. we could never forget our own Viscount wow. Brookie. Hello, Stephen Brook. Hello, Robert McKnight. How are you? <laughs> mate, I'm good. There is so much to talk about. Let's get into the news topics of the week. And can Seven get out of a contract with Cricket Australia? That's the $82 million question as the company tries to force Cricket Australia to abort the Big Bash League this summer. According to the SMH, the network loses $70 million a year in broadcasting the sport and sources have told the publication Cricket Australia cannot deliver the quality of schedule the network had signed on for now that the coronavirus pandemic has hit. Brookie, does Seven have a leg to stand on here? Oh, of course it does. If there's one thing that the virus has shown us, it's that the value of all these sporting rights has severely fallen basically because the sporting codes cannot deliver what they promised. We've seen that with the NRL and the AFL suspended, seasons truncated, state of origin in the NRL is going to be held at a different time. So the same with the cricket. Seven's not happy with the summer schedule, and particularly with the big bash, it feels that it is not going to be what was promised. It thinks that the stars that used to form part of the program in years past, particularly from overseas, aren't going to be there, therefore it's not worth as much money as they paid originally. This is a sticking point, though, because the stars are not going to be in the contract, presumably. Cricket Australia haven't sold it on a guarantee of certain stars. You certainly can't name stars because you don't know who's going to be injured or who's going to be here in five years. So that seems like... uh, I read some media commentaries, uh, Mulk, saying that Seven just won out and they're hoping if James uh, Warburton makes enough noise, Cricket Australia will throw their hands in the air and just not want the bad publicity and let them out. I guarantee Seven want out of $82 million a year that they would love to be able to use on other things 
things like oh, paying their debts. Uh, it's it's a real challenging position. The problem for particularly Seven in this argument with Cricket Australia is while I absolutely appreciate they signed the contract in good faith, expecting that they would have you know a certain quality of, of uh, competition, ain't nobody predicted what was going on. And I am absolutely sure within their the clauses in the contract that there's all sorts of act of God stuff and all of those sorts of normal provisions for get out of jail free cards and for everybody, not just for seven, for CA as well. It is, I think, especially given the level of negotiation that seven uh, went through with the AFL um, because the AFL wanted to get back on screen so that, you know, blah, 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 they get their money and seven kept paying up, ponying up the dough, um, that seven won't be able to say, well, we're just walking away because this isn't going to be good enough. Cancel the Big Bash League. You're not going to get the stars. No one can turn up to the damn games. That That's certainly true, but we know that Big Bash League didn't perform well for Seven last and year. And that was that, Seven's fault. Well, that's that's a thing, isn't oh, it? come on. It was also Cricket Australia's fault. There's How? two tangoing in this. Because Seven doesn't run the Cricket or the Big Bash League. Ten no. made it work. 10 made it work, but 10 made it work with negotiations with Cricket Australia. There were many more matches, I understand, in the Big Bash League this time round. Audiences tired seven. of that. No, it's a negotiation between Seven and Cricket Australia. Seven yes. cares about the AFL and its relationship. They clearly don't care that clearly. much about their relationship with Cricket Australia. So, uh, you know, the... Cricket is in a state of flux. There's very real questions about whether the Indian Test Series can go ahead. I think these sporting codes are vulnerable if you have a very bolshy broadcasting partner. And let's not leave Foxtel out of this equation. They want a rights reduction as well. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So when you have a lot of revenue that you are owed and you are having to cut costs because you can't schedule matches the way that you want, mm. and there's a pot of gold provided by your broadcast partners and they are playing bolshe, then I think as a sporting co, you've got to sit up and take notice and attempt to accommodate them in some way. This is the challenge, though. Seven are the ones that wanted more BBL games. They ruined it. They didn't show all of the games because they didn't have the rights to show all the games and it clashed with other things. They screwed the BBL up. And that it's now, oh, but you have to cancel BBL, you're not getting the stars. I mean, come on. It just sounds really, really disingenuous. Thank you. Well, a revamped version of Morning Show Studio 10 has upset viewers so much, Channel 10 has decided to disable comments on Instagram posts and deleted hundreds of comments from Facebook. The new format, hosted by Sarah Harris and newcomer Tristan McManus, did not appear to resonate with loyal viewers who quickly took to social media to express their displeasure. The comments TV Black Box noticed had been deleted were not offensive, only negative towards the changes. At the time of writing, a Facebook post touting a brand new day had 559 comments, but only 318 of those comments can be seen. Sarah, is it ever a smart move to delete negative comments? I mean, it's a brand new show. 
So you've got to give time, especially the new guy, let him come in. Don't let him come into a barrage of negative comments because that's just going to hurt his feelings and nobody needs that anymore. And then the other thing is basically the show has turned into what the studio, like the audience has asked for. Because anytime you make a hot topic or anything controversial, people bitch and moan and create all of these (laughs) comments about how dare you talk about something without having your token person on there to talk about it. So now they've whitewashed the show essentially and made it boring for the people and now the people what? are commenting that it's boring well she's not being she's not being literal um sarah i take a couple of issues with that i, I think hot topics and controversies engaging audiences like never before especially in this polarizing time the decision 10 have made are about advertisers they want to create an environment where they give no advertiser an excuse to not Um, put their money with them. What they've ended up with is a bland, boring show. That's not from viewer wants. You look at those social media, and I could tell it was long-time Studio 10 viewers who loved that show with all their heart who were turning on the show today when they posted after episode one. People don't like change. It's not just change. uh, All right, before I speak, Ben, you saw the show. What did you think? Well, I think it's hard for you, Rob, because I think anything you say makes it sound like you are Betty Broderick, mm, you know, just know. a crazy lunatic that's making comments about <laughs> wow. the children wow. being looked after by the... Yeah, new, he's right. He's know, right. But I want to say, though, look, I tuned in today and I was so excited and it kind of reminded me of when I was really excited to see Batman Returns. I was so excited. You know, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer looks so good in the trailer as Catwoman and... You know, Tristan McManus was my Catwoman. Actually, no, Sarah Harris was my Catwoman. (laughs) And I just probably got too excited and expected too much. But did I get certain things that I wanted from the show? Yes, Tristan looked great. He looked comfortable. He looked relaxed. Both of them were probably sitting too far apart with too little to do. And I think what the producers were trying to do was allow Tristan to show some of that cheeky side to his personality, which never came. And I know that that will come because, like, I know that the warmth that he has that will resonate with the, resonate with the viewers once they get a chance will be like s'mores around a barbecue because he does have a lot of warmth to his personality. So I think it is going to come. People coming for this show at this point, and Rob, I have to look at you a little bit for this, it's just very early days and those people on social media, they do not reflect the general overall opinion and I will uh, stand I by that. I think you're wrong on that point. Well, I think look, you're wrong. I'm the, gonna... people, the people I saw today on Facebook were fans of the show. They weren't coming from a place people of People don't like they change. Coming... I'm with Sarah on that. Well, but that might be... It... And, and it's not fair to judge a show the first day because nothing's ever great the first day. Every show sucks yep. the first few days. It takes a few days or weeks for people to get into that rhythm, the sync to find what works, what doesn't work. It's just I don't think it's fair the first day to just go after something. You have to give it time. I, I want to take Ben up on an issue. I've no, I have not had one crack at uh, Tristan in anything I have said today about Studio 10. I sat on this podcast and said we cannot judge him on day one, and I'm not. But what I saw today had the depth of a puddle. You know, there was no... You can drown in a puddle. And I think you have some right to that, Rob. Like, I really do. Like, I mean, the post that you did put on TV, Black Box, 
did to me seem like you were collecting the wood around the fireplace ready for the fire. And I don't necessarily think that comes from a bad place. I'm allowed to report on the fact that the network deleted comments because they wanted to change the narrative. But I just still think it's very early days. And I know, and I just want you to know this. But this this isn't early days for the producers. The producers have been doing that show, some of them for seven years. When they produced this show today, they would have known all eyes on them and it was lazy, boring television. It was embarrassing. And I swear to God, I wish that they had renamed the show because as far as I'm concerned, Studio 10 is dead and that was just horrible what I saw today. No amount of reproducing or fixing up or giving time to breathe is going to fix that. A piece of shit, no matter how much you roll it in glitter, is still a piece of shit. Tell us what you really think, McNaught. <laughs> well, I'm I, sorry, but, it's, no, it's, but it was woeful. Don't apologise because what I want to say to you is... You are a very good friend of mine. You always have my back and you have so many times over. And this is not me not having your back with this. I'm just saying when you are the creator and you created Studio 10 into what it is, you are in your right to say they probably shouldn't have pushed ahead calling the show Studio 10. They probably should have renamed it something else. And then maybe in turn that might have given people a chance to get to know this show. And I really do hope, I mean, I'm scared now. I am scared. And maybe that's telling. Maybe that's... More telling about what, what, what are I you thought scared of, the, of. Well, I feel as though those two look really good together, yep, and for whatever tick. reason, there was a lot of nerves in today's show. And I just want to give them because I know those two to be passionate, lovely people who deserve to be fronting a TV show. And I just the hosts <laughs> weren't the problem; they had no content. But you're right, they probably should have changed the name because that way it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing that's completely different. It's a it's a brand new thing and people had no expectations. Yeah, but, uh, Malk, I- I'm going to pass this over to you. I don't want to speak about Studio 10 all night. Sure. Um, all I will say is that content-wise, they literally, the only things they're allowing them to talk about is viral videos, crocheted hats and, you know, like... Tristan's parents. Yeah, Tristan's parents. They're not. They've decided they don't want to talk about actual news. That's fine. That's a that's a creative choice that they've made. But there is n- they're relying on two people to sit on a couch for four hours and chat, and there's nothing to chat about. Four hours is a long time to not talk about the news topics of the day. Uh, yeah. And if that's the direction that the new Studio Ten is sailing, then goodness gracious, they are sailing into some choppy, uncharted waters. Uh, the challenge for them, certainly out of this morning, and and, and I said as much on the Ben Robin Robbo show today, uh, was that it's fair enough to let's you know, ha ha, here's the new guy. Let's meet his parents. Right. They're pretty lovely. Yeah, 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 let's yeah. do that for a segment. Not. Mm. Most of the first hour, yeah. um, it kind of wore thin, uh, and it only revealed that. Well, where's the substance? You know what? Please, it is a morning television show. I appreciate where we're going to head with no, this. That, where is the substance morning shows, to this conversation? That's a, that's a fallacy that they don't have substance. You look at some of the stuff the morning show and today extra do. No, but the morning shows, even, and I'm not even going to talk about Studio Ten when I was there. The morning show and Today Extra have both have some substance to them. They do talk about issues. They do bring us the news. I think it's unfair to write them off that way. I didn't. No, no, not you, Mike. I was talking in general. Yeah. Well, we shall see how the ratings go and uh, it'll be fascinating. I, I've i got a very bad feeling. All right. Oztam has introduced co-viewing to its video player measurement or VPM reporting service. The changes also incorporate VVOD co-viewing on connected TVs and introduces VVOD audience metric. Co-viewing is defined as up to two additional viewers simultaneously watching VVOD on a connected TV. 
alongside the Prime Reviewer. Mock, I've said BVOD a lot of times. Mm. I've said PVMs and ABCs and CTVs. What does it all mean? M-O-U-S-E. <laughs> uh, more people watching Disney Plus, Netflix, Stan, Amazon Prime Video. That's what it really means. Um, broadcast video on demand, BVOD, uh, is what they're talking about there. So this is when people are using uh, the commercial TV networks, systems that allow you to, to stream and watch their services online using your internet-connected TV, CTV. Um, the challenge about this co-viewing thing is that it's totally based on assumption. So they're suggesting that if... And they can tell this, that uh, if a, you know, a, a connected TV, a smart TV, is getting a stream from their service, they know that it's going to that kind of TV. What they cannot tell is how many people are watching. So they're making an assertion based on the fact it's going on a big screen TV that more than one person is watching it. I think that's false. Mm. However, that is the path that we've headed down because they need to work out what the numbers are actually going to look like as we move down this uh, VPM model, sorry, as we move down the virtual Oz model, which is the combination of overnights, uh, broadcast video on demand, catch up and streaming all rolled into one figure, which is what the networks are going to be absolutely saying, this is the ratings now. Brookie, there's been a lot of chatter coming, especially from the networks. You know, we've been talking about seven-day catch-up figures and 28-day consolidated and all that kind of stuff. The Hollywood Reporter is now saying they're not going to report on overnights. What do you make of that? Do overnights still hold an important place in Australia? Well, they hold an important place in the minds of a lot of uh, journalists and networks who want to be able to claim they've won. Yes. But it is true to claim a more accurate picture. You do have to wait a bit because, as we know, uh, people don't watch TV all at the same time and all on the night where the first run is. And you can tell in the conversations you have with people, did you catch this? No, I didn't get round to watch it. I do think that where TV is watched most often is obviously sport and news. Yes. But also in the reality programs on in the early evening that are family viewing that you watch at home with the kids. I think mm -hmm. that is probably an area where it is accurate to say that there is family viewing and under the diary system and then the set-top box system, you used to be able to press who was in the room and who wasn't. So you got an accurate still picture can. of family Yeah, you still viewing. can on the black boxes. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I think that there's a correct assumption being made here that uh, on the BBOD that there are going to be families still watching these services. I think that's a natural assumption to make. And but not I every time. That... Correct. Like, well, that's not the every time. Not not every single time. No. But that's how the numbers are now working. But this is, I think you can make assumptions and you can probably average it out to and provide a more accurate picture. And I tell you what, if the advertisers don't feel that they're getting accurate data and the media agencies don't feel they're getting accurate yes. data, then they are going to make those objections pretty clear pretty quickly. Oh, look, it's still more accurate than diary systems for radio, let's be honest. Paper diaries, and, uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, look, at the end of the day, the networks, if they want journos and people like me to stop worrying about overnights, 
then they need to stop worrying about overnights because they're the ones that will trumpet the block winning when they send out the releases the following morning and they will the one try, be the ones trying to get that headline to keep the momentum going when a show has premiered strongly. So, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I, you, you can't well, have it both ways. Well, you can't just blame the journos. Rob, this directly maps onto your previous segment about Studio 10 and social media comments. What is success nowadays? Mm. Is it a big ratings figure? Is it a review in an old-fashioned newspaper? Is it comments on Facebook or on Instagram? Because uh, it's not clear anymore. With the ratings, you cannot judge on the overnights because we know that a lot of people aren't watching at that time. And I think social media presents a very distorted view of what the viewing public (laughs) thinks. But there is only one measure of success in 2020. It's not ratings. It's revenue. It's the profit each show makes. The world has changed. It is not just about ratings. All right. Managers at 10 have come up with a cunning plan to beam local news into Brisbane and Adelaide from other states, but it comes at a price. TV Blackbox has revealed slabs of the news for Brisbane and Adelaide will be pre-recorded to allow for local stories. According to our sources, and this was certainly borne out on night one that I watched tonight, the first segment for Adelaide and Brisbane will be recorded at 4pm Melbourne Sydney time. This means reporters will be in position for live crosses and local stories will need to be edited in time for the recording. At 5pm, Melbourne and Sydney will go live as Adelaide and Brisbane play the first recorded first segment to air. This means the Adelaide recording will go to air 90 minutes after the start of the recording due to the fact Adelaide is on a 30-minute delay due to time differences. Sarah, I watched the Sydney and Brisbane news bulletins tonight and can confirm segment one was completely different in each state. Do you think pre-recorded news is okay? It is as long as if there's actually something important that is current and live that they can switch over and have that ability, say there's like a fire or an explosion, something that is immediate and now that people need to know about that they can break in and switch to Mm. that. Otherwise, I mean, most of the time they're rehashing the 6 p.m. news is what they showed at 10 a.m. anyway. (laughs) Yeah, well, there might be some truth in that. You know, I have to... I have to put it out to the producers. This was so well done. The way they played segment one, Hollis Bolus, timed it to Sydney, came in live for segment two, and then had a finance update as a network event, and then back to localised news. It was really, really well done, and I think that my hat is off to the people who made this happen. I don't overly agree with news being pre-recorded, Mulk, but I've got to say they did it really, really well. It's uh, and, and they're going to need to keep doing it really, really well. The uh, the the time differences that you know actually get more diabolical for Queensland, uh, because it will mean that for journalists that need to have a segment loaded ready for that pre-record, uh, Queensland time it has to be in the can and ready to go for three p.m. during daylight saving. Crazy, isn't it? Uh, mm. What happens if the story changes? What happens if it's a, de- a developing story? I mean, we already have journalists that have to go and camp out the front of a place where something happened yesterday to give us some colour. For- <laughs> Yeah, so maybe they'll stop doing that. They'll actually they'll actually catch the guy leaving the courthouse instead of, you know, being out the front of the courthouse at 7 p.m. when there's nobody there. Yeah, but it'll have so to be pre-recorded. right, Sarah, that live cross <laughs> mania is yes. an era that should well and truly pass be because dead. it serves no purpose. Oh, it... Do your pre-recorded segment yes. on the court case 
Uh, we do not need to cross to you live or as home, live yeah. outside the courthouse hours after the oh. judge, jury and accused are all safely tucked up in it's bed. It's the most ludicrous <laughs> thing to see, you know, at, at, you know, particularly in winter. It's all bells and whistles. To see Come the journalist standing out the front of, like, the police headquarters or the courts. It's dark. Earlier today, this happened in court, cut to the story that I did six hours ago. Like, all right. Crazy <laughs> and, but the important point about that is it costs a lot of money to have those broadcast vans out there doing that yeah. stuff. You people. Does I just, this right. mean, Rob, just as a question, does this mean for Perth that they are running Perth live because it's well after the 5 o'clock news on the East Coast? Don't know the answer to that. I'm trying to find that out, to be honest, Mog, because they still could pre-record it if they want to get crews out 800%. of Sydney. So my feeling is it's probably pre-recorded. be nice if it was live. And who but... loses in all of this? Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth markets. Mm. And that was yeah. always going to be the case. Yeah, it's never Sydney and Melbourne that are having to do the pre-recorded segment. All right. Channel 7 will say goodbye to Plate of Origin, also known as Pooh, by playing the final two episodes back-to-back on Tuesday, 22nd of September, creating a supersized three-hour event. The network had high hopes for the show after the signing of former MasterChef judges Gary Meehan, Matt Preston, and along with Channel 7 favourite Manu Fidel. Brookie, this one did not leave a good taste in viewers' mouths. Uh, No chance it'll be back again, right? No, it's fascinating, isn't it? We've had a cooking show which completely replaced its judging panel and everyone loved it, i.e. MasterChef, and then a new cooking show with some well-established stars that was a bit dead on arrival. So there's, uh, uh, well, a lot dead on arrival. (laughs) Thank you, Malk. Um, I think it's interesting, isn't it? For me, it was too long, a 90-minute reality show, Uh, on that first episode, all sorts of problems were apparent. And I think that Seven, but also Nine, must just look across at MasterChef and wonder, year after year, they keep trying, how they can replicate its success. Well, My Kitchen Rules did for a long time, Ben. You know, My Kitchen Rules took the MasterChef formula, turned it on its head and became a huge success, but it's run out of steam. Yeah, but I think the authenticity is missing. You know, I think the thing about MasterChef that always resonated is great casting, really good editing, sticking to the food and making sure that you're turning in quality viewing that the family can all watch and then doing it as a neatly tight package. When it came to Plate of Origin, it was overblown. It went for too long. The judges have kind of had their day and people are a little bit tired of that. You know, I also didn't feel like those judges were ever going to bring what they told the network they were going to bring because that's what they did. They took it to seven and said, we're going to get, we're going to bring you this. And they really just didn't deliver that. And I must admit, I still think casting is key. And I just, I just felt that I didn't resonate with any of the personalities or people that they cast onto Plate of Origin. And, and mm. like Rob you as well. You mean the contestants, Ben, or do you mean the judges didn't I gel? Get, you know, Brookie, I'm going to say that I think it's right across the board. I think really? that the casting... Really? I like the judges. You know, I just... I'm with Ben on the judges. I thought they were a bit... Oh, remember when, Manu, you came and auditioned for MasterChef and yeah. you nearly got in but you didn't get in and we're pretty great and, OK, now leave your food. <laughs> 
That was basically what they sat around doing we for did, 90 minutes. We did talk about this at some length on this uh, most recent episode of TV Binge Box. Oh, Mulk, I'm recycling my material. He's Don't allowed tell them. to do that. Don't He's tell allowed. Them. That's a promo to Binge Box, <laughs> which you're entitled to. Secrets. Oh, no, no, no. You get much greater insight from Bookie and the rest of us if you want to go and download that. Um, the, the challenge is, as we've all said, um, that for Plate of Origin, it really just came down to being a vehicle for the three hosts. And it, it looked like that the casting for the rest of the actual show, the people that were the competitors, was done by an amateur. It just nothing really felt like it gelled within the show format. And we saw the writing on the wall when they shrank it from, what was it, 20 episodes down to 10 uh, yeah. after the show had been announced. That wasn't just budget cuts. Like, you shrink it to a three of its budget. To cut it in half is this format isn't going to work. Yeah, fair point. Well, uh, speaking of binge box, guys, I want to do my own quick clap and slap that you guys have. Well, you have to come uh, because, and visit us uh, on the show. <laughs> well, I'm happy to do it's, that. It's been trademarked, Robert, but we'll let you just this once. But never been invited. But I have to say I've seen two great shows that uh, I just have to mention. I need to put this out into the world somewhere. Des, which is on Stan, which I've had a preview of, um, which goes Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. It uploads to Stan over three nights. It is phenomenal. It's at... Um, it's about Dennis Nielsen, who is a serial killer in the UK, and the way they do this, it's not gratuitous, it's not violent, it is just simply compelling and you should see it. And the other one is, turning completely on its head, Teenage Bounty Hunters on Netflix, which is just one of the best um, series I've seen in a long time because you think you know what it's going to be. It's like a Buffy, you know, you think you know where it's heading, except this thing turns on its head and goes in directions you didn't see coming and is uh, someone involved in Orange is the New Black is part of this production. And so um, I'm just, I just say that to give you some idea of how different it is to what you might expect on what has Teenage Bounty Hunters and how it looks might sound like some throwaway thing. I've loved it, binged the whole first season. But if you want the real insight into all your television viewing habits, of course, go to TV Binge Box every week where you can get the inside information. Thank TV you, Binge Robert, Box. and thank you for your audition. <laughs> Maybe you'll invite me on one day. Now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. We'll call you. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Tan has confirmed Georgie Coughlin and Stephen Quartermain as the new hosts for its four-day Melbourne Cup coverage. The event will take on a very different look in 2020. It's currently unconfirmed if crowds will be able to attend Melbourne's biggest race day as stage four lockdowns continue in the city. TV Black Box can exclusively reveal that the new multi-channel 10 Shake will launch Sunday 27th of September on Channel 13 in metropolitan markets, the first weekend of the school holidays for many states. The new channel, hinted at by our own Steve Malk at TV Black Box exactly 12 months ago, will be mixed with kids programming during the day and guilty pleasure programming at night. Seven West Media has announced the appointment of Shoebridge Knowles Media Group to define and drive the group's corporate communications and publicity strategies working alongside Seven West Media's existing team. The Strategic Communications Consultancy was established in May 2018 by partners Neil Shoebridge and Andrew Knowles. The move means Julia Lafort, appointed Director of Corporate Affairs and Publicity at the start of the year, has departed Seven. The ABC has appointed former executive editor 
at The Guardian, Lee Glendinning, as the head of content curation and platforms in its regional and local division to manage the delivery of content to metropolitan, regional and rural audience. And SBS has announced the appointment of Matthew Hancock to the role of general manager, SBS On Demand. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. Coming up, the radical idea to shake up the Australian TV industry forever. Plus, the juiciest gossip this side of Sunday as we open the TV Black Box. TV Black Box, we'll be right back. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And Rob and Robbo. It's the most talked about TV show that's not on TV. And I think you guys are amazing. With raw, honest opinions. This was not a mistake. This was a lie. Exclusive stories. Some industry insiders have been talking about this. Is that a Ben Robin Robbo exclusive? And plenty of famous faces. I'm not wasting these gold moments on the 60 minutes. (laughs) The Ben Robin Robbo Show is the new way to stream your news. This is the stuff that headlines are made of. Live every Monday to Thursday. Thursday at 1pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on Ticker TV or Facebook and Twitter at BRR Show. Watch live or on demand. It's Alright, this week the SMH and Age ran a fascinating interview with Chris Oliver-Taylor, the Asia-Pacific Chief Executive Officer of Fremantle. Oliver Taylor says commercial TV networks should be allowed to move their Australian drama, children's and documentary content to their streaming or catch-up services, leaving their main channels for reality, entertainment, sports and news programming. He also says there should be incentives to entice entities like Netflix and Seven to work together. Brookie, this is audacious. Is this a way of not forcing the networks to run local drama? I don't think that is his intent because obviously he works for a local production company and he wants very keen for the Australian local production industry to survive. So I think this is a clever idea from Oliver Taylor. I think we have a government that has sat on this issue for a very long time. We've seen that it's given quota relief due to the coronavirus. I think it's anti-quota. I think it's trying to work out a way that it can reduce quotas, particularly on children's, maybe on local drama, and it is trying to do that in a way that's going to cause it as few headaches as possible. I think I've heard that it has talked to execs, uh, it has talked privately and, and pointed to the example in Britain where local British drama is as strong as ever, which is, well, that's just because it's Britain. Australia is a very different kettle of fish. I think Australia is quite vulnerable in terms of drama. Mm. The networks will wiggle out of as much of it as they can. They think that the revenue, to make uh, take your point up from earlier, Rob, is in reality. And if you look at it, shows like Married at First Sight, they kind of are. They're like the sons and daughters of today. They have 
plot lines, they have storylines that go episode after episode. We know that the reality, in inverted commas, is often heavily constructed with different plot lines and it's shaped by producers. So I think the local industry is very vulnerable and hats off to Oliver Taylor. His idea basically is to move drama onto uh, you know, different networks, onto digital networks, say, uh, that the and still have it count towards that quota and blow up the quota system, make it more sophisticated, uh, hopefully to save the local industry. But, but what do we do, Brookie, the... about the fact drama doesn't rate? Well, this well, is his solution. Yeah, but networks don't want to make it if it doesn't rate and they can't get revenue from it. Well, that's... Sorry, Brookie, I'm jumping in. I apologise. This is where Chris Oliver Taylor is dancing a very delicate dance here because as the man who runs one of the biggest production companies in Australia outside the commercial TV networks, he wants them to come to him to make programs or he's got a pitch to them to get programs made. With no quotas, it's putting his business in jeopardy. However, by him saying, how about we allow them to do this, i.e. let's reinstate the quotas, but they don't want the quotas, but let's do it so and they can put it on their streaming services or catch up or whatever. Tick, that still means we have to make content. I still get work and they still meet their requirements. Um, That's a huge outpouring of money for something that isn't going to be seen in the main game. How do you pay for it? How do you pay for it? Correct. Do you know what I think is interesting, though, and that is this was spoken about a few weeks back with somebody who I'd seen on Twitter, and that was if we can get more drama made and good quality drama made and we don't have to lose that from our screens, can it be put onto the streaming services or catch up, you know, in in digital means? Because, you know, Halifax... But Halifax doesn't need to necessarily... It didn't need to necessarily play on mainstream television because a lot of its core audience ended up watching it, you know... Oh, did I thought it's it's catch up was amazing. And, and it I thought is doing it made a good business on catch up for nine. The challenge is that the amount of money that they paid to make it, they had to get the return on investment, and the way that they do that is by showing it with ads on free to air television because the broadest audience gets to see it. The catch up advertising is not going to cover a drama, not yet, like Halifax, not yet, like that. They, it, because of the, how we introduced the whole catch up process to Australia, it's it's and the way that the network sold advertising to it as a very much lesser system. It's kind of caught them off guard. Now, the what Chris Oliver Taylor is promoting is great for 10 and great for 9 and shithouse for 7 because guess what? They don't have a streaming service that they can put this drama on. Well, that's why he suggested incentives for them to pair up with Netflix. But they already do it. Netflix too, and the ABC are already doing that. Yeah, you know, like... But, but quotas uh, don't apply to the ABC anyway, so it, that they're out of the picture as far as this is concerned. Sure, but incentives to get those partnerships, exist they already exist. You've just got to get their attention with a good enough program. Yeah, and the, you would argue that if you're judged by Australian audiences, we're not making good enough programs. Halifax has been the standout in a long time that viewers actually seem to be enjoying. And in prime time ratings, it hasn't pulled anywhere near the numbers that we would have expected from the a, block a, a delivering else. drama. There's a whole tier of drama that's disappeared, which is that early evening drama, which you might have said was Police Rescue, uh, ACP, GP from decades ago. It was not as expensive 
mm. to make as, say, a Halifax is or a Between Two Worlds, which are extremely Oof, yeah. expensive. So you've lost a tier and that's affected the economies of scale because local drama is very expensive and they're not getting the return on that. Uh, but then the cheaper mid-tier drama that sits between these prestige productions and the soaps has just gone yeah. from the schedules. No one's really making it anymore. Those long-running series, they've gone. And, yeah. and the difficulty, just in what you raised, Ben, about you know more good quality drama, it, it's it's become so subjective. You know, who determines what the good quality drama is? Well, how many viewers turn up, or the executives that green light it and pay all of the money for it? I mean, in the olden days, we had a system where we could, to some degree trust our executives and trust the critics that got access to it uh, and and we built a relationship with them. Nowadays, everyone's a critic. Like, welcome to social media. So who do you trust? To, when, when Malk says this show is great, who cares? Unless you have proven over time from a critic's point of view that I like these things and this is why I like it, you go, yeah, I like the stuff that Malk likes, then I'll listen to him. But otherwise, no one cares what I think. Okay, well, now it's time. <laughs> oh, can you hear it? Oh, oh no. stop it. Hang on. What's that? What is that I hear? It is the angels calling because <laughs> this bullshit is killing me. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, I'm going to reveal because last week I only did two because the third one was actually Sarah's. And Sarah was talking about not doing a reality TV show that she was asked to do because she couldn't make it to Australia. And just to give that some clarity because that's what I'm giving away out of what I had last week, it was for Celebrity Apprentice. Ah. And I did go and and I did also go and do some research on that yes. to find out what it was, and it was Celebrity Apprentice. <laughs> now, She's not going to confirm mean, nor deny. Does this mean that we have any insight as to who's been cast for it? Well, not if Sarah. we did, uh, there, there are some rules, Mulk. If we know people <laughs> yeah. personally that have been cast we don't and they know information, we can't ever use it. So this is, the networks would be smart to put us under embargo for everything. That's right. Then Tell we us wouldn't everything be able to so break we can't stories. talk about it. <laughs> well, my first one is going to be about casting. So this is number one. Channel 7 has signed up an ex-Big Brother star for Holy Moly. Oh. But who and which Bachelorette beauty has just turned them down? Say so the person from Big Brother and a Bachelorette lady have turned them down. No, no, no. no. The person from the... Big Brother is doing it, but a Bachelorette has turned them down. Oh, that's how turn I turn down it, the ben. show. Or turn that's down exactly the, the how Big it is. Person. I've made <laughs> this God, way too You have made this. Are you purposely way making this difficult? Yeah, yeah. Misunderstood the connection. So the Bachelorette right. person okay. was offered the job. They didn't take it. A Channel the Seven. Channel did. Seven has signed he up. Has signed up. Hang on a sec. Why don't you do that again and make them two separate sentences? No, I don't need to do that because, as Brookie said, it is clear as my... Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes it sound bad. (laughs) (laughs) I thought he said something else and then it played back in my head. As Brookie said, it's very... (laughs) See, this is what the podcast is about, is just to just have a few laughs. No, I actually... Sorry, I'm retracting that. I perfectly understood what you said, Ben. Until everyone else started to interfere with the line of thought. Sorry, I, I Thank you. totally missed it. I'll take it. I had it understood completely. I Thanks. wasn't there. How Malk. about you? No, I got she it. She got it. Yeah. I said yeah. I, I okay, didn't I'm not... get it. Ha- have, another, Leave it have another swig of Milo and then we'll perk up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kitty's had her milk. I'll read out the second one. 
Rumour has it this controversial player is nothing like anyone expected and behind the scenes they have become best mates with a lot of the producers. We might see a very different side to someone we very much know but now we may very much love. Uh, so are they currently in a show? They are, yeah. And Do I have to spell that one out now? I read these to my partner. So you're saying it's like, someone who everyone thinks is normally an asshole, but it turns out they're actually a nice person? Correct. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I didn't get that at all. Right. <laughs> that I'm, could be no one. Is um, this the Maybe I should go back to or? vetoing these, <laughs> Okay. Ben. <laughs> no, you probably should go back. No, these are really good. These are really oh, okay. good ones. So thank you. I think the first one, um, basically, I was tripwired by Malt because he was I having his Milo or whatever it, it was. Is one of them Rob McKnight? <laughs> yes, they're all Rob McKnight. <laughs> this week, me. they're all Rob McKnight. Uh, okay, no. When your contract is up, don't go on holidays. That's what they tell the entertainers. But for one person, they will be using their ninth life to go on a small trip that they're telling their bosses it's business. They're not Did you say ninth wife? wife? Life. Life. Oh, L-I-F-E. I thought you said ninth wife. Ninth we wife. It's wife. Not, Should we no, just start this again? Life. I heard life. Thank you. I Thank you, Brookie. Is this your Brookie's brother? also desperate to finish the podcast. Um, alrighty. No, it is not Big Brother. Um, well, Ben, I've got to say, I'm more confused than ever, but there you go. Right. <laughs> That's what you bring to <laughs> the table. Oh, can I close the black bolt with the sound effect? Yeah, go for it. Creek. Okay, thanks. <laughs> All the very best. Thanks for Six coming. Six years at night, a mock did, guys, and that's what you've got. <laughs> all right, and that brings us to the end of another edition of TV Black Box. Don't forget, for all your television news, the latest exclusives delivered right into your interwebs, go to tvblackbox.com.au. Don't forget the podcast. Don't forget TV Binge Box. Don't forget the Ben Robin Robbo Show and anything else we've got on the boil too. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Brookie. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Mark, and Thank you, Sarah. Bye. 